I wrote in my journal, pilgrimages rarely go as planned. They're evolving journeys, not packaged holidays. Certainly in our case, almost nothing went as planned, at least the way we planned it. And yet uh, some wonderful things happened along the way. But it is not packaged by Disney vacations for sure. Welcome to the Renovare podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and our guest today is Renovare's president, Ted Harrow. I was able to talk with Ted about the spiritual practice of pilgrimage and a recent experience he had. I spoke with Ted from his home in Chicago, Illinois. Ted, you recently went on a pilgrimage, and I'm really curious to uh, hear about that experience that you had. Um, but first, I wonder if we could talk just a little about pilgrimage as a spiritual practice in, in general. What is a pilgrimage? Hi, by the way. Good to have you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi. Good to see you again, too. It's been a while, hasn't it? I I'm actually pretty new to pilgrimage myself. Um I got onto this one. So we did the Camino in Spain, my son, Duncan, and I. I got onto this pilgrimage because Duncan came home from AP Spanish class several years ago one day and said, hey, dad, you want to walk the Camino with me? And I said, sure. What's that? So that's as much <laughs> as I knew about pilgrimage or about the Camino. I literally had no idea what he was talking about. But when your 17-year-old or 18-year-old says, you want to go spend a month with me, Walking right. together, the answer is yes. It's just a question of what are we doing now? <laughs> but I learned a lot actually, probably just by going on this walk about what a pilgrimage and how it's different than a vacation. So that the Camino is for for those who aren't familiar with it, is a a route that walks actually there are several routes through Spain to a, a city called Santiago, where um tradition says that St. James's remains are and it's been watched for over a thousand years um, by, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of people now. And uh, it, you, you just you carry what's on your back and you walk from village to village. The the routes range in distance from the longest is probably about uh, 600 miles long, and the shortest might be a couple hundred miles long. So it's a long time of just walking. One of the things I learned about pilgrimage is that a really important question that a pilgrim asks is, where am I going and why? I actually asked a woman I met on the Camino, uh, where are you going? And she looked at me kind of funny and said, Santiago. You know, she didn't say it, but she kind of said, Santiago, duh. And I actually meant, where are you going today? <laughs> but, but um, you know, all of us had in common that we were going to this city, but, but I think People are all walking for different reasons. And when you meet pilgrims, which you, you do as you go, you can tell who they are based on what they're carrying and how tired they look. And most of them carry on their backpacks a, a scallop shell, which is the the, the symbol of the Camino. Um, you find that they're all walking for different reasons. We, we met people who were between jobs, between marriages, um, like Duncan and me with a, with a family member or a close friend just something they always wanted to do. Some people overtly spiritual or religious, many people not. Um, but people are on their way to some somewhere for some reason. And for Duncan and me, we were, I was clearly going on, on pilgrimage 
the the route to Santiago was just a an excuse to spend time with Duncan and time with with God. That was why I was on pilgrimage. But you know, knowing where you're going and why is really part of pilgrimage. I think uh, that I learned over time when I was there. So you know, pilgrimage is a, is a is a journey, and it's it's different from a vacation or a package holiday. As I as I was thinking about the experience later, I wrote in my journal. Pilgrimages rarely go as planned. Uh, they're evolving <laughs> journeys, not packaged holidays. And certainly mm. in our case, um, almost nothing went as planned, at least the way <laughs> we planned it. And yet uh, some wonderful things happened along the way. But it is not packaged by Disney vacations, for sure. I love that statement of this question. Where are you going and why? That sounds like a Jesus-type yeah. question. So the is the point the destination? Is this a kind of magical place that I go and I get a gold star from God for walking 300 miles? For some people, it clearly is. There were people who getting to the cathedral in Santiago, and if you walk a certain number of kilometers, the last 100 kilometers, and you get you literally carry a, a pilgrim's passport, and the merchants <laughs> along the way have a stamp, and you keep getting stamps in your passport. So if you can prove that you've walked the last 100 kilometers through these stamps in your passport, you get what's called a Compostela, which is basically a certificate. And for some people, that's very, very, very motivating. It was absolutely not important to me. Um, but for some people, getting to that destination, getting to Santiago, getting the piece of paper was a big, big deal. Um, hmm. For me, it wasn't. For And it never was. And as, as we might talk about later, I didn't get it. I never got the piece of paper because I wasn't able to finish the last 100 kilometers on my own two feet. Um, you failed. Uh, well, uh, you, the the factual statement is I had to <laughs> abandon the race. Yeah. You got um, no like cookie from Tour God. <laughs> no cookie from God. Yeah. No cookie. No. The nuns didn't pat me on the back. Nothing good happened that way. No. <laughs> so th th tell us what everything went wrong. Tell us about your experience. What was it like? Well, I mean, I'm not going to give you all the all the many things that went not as planned, but starting from the very first flight, we had flight delays. You know, there's, of course, all kinds of flight delays right now. So we got a bonus night in Frankfurt, Germany that we didn't want. And we were late starting. So we had to rejigger all of our logistics. Um, just many, many, many things. We were planning plan? to walk. We were planning to walk. So we, we didn't have time to walk the entire 800-kilometer route. We were going to walk the northern route, which goes on the north coast of Spain for most of it. That's 800 kilometers. We decided to do 500. So 300 miles was what we wanted to do. We just kind of counted backwards from Santiago. And we figured we could walk 15 miles, 25 kilometers a day, and take a day off each week to, to rest and recover. Um, so we just counted backwards and found a little village that had bus service to it. And that's how we that's how we got to it. So we planned to do that, and we walked the first probably seventy to one hundred miles without very much incident. Beautiful weather, just great things happened. And then around uh, probably eighty or ninety miles, I started having for the first time in my life, really certainly hiking. I started having knee pain, and um, uh, I wasn't as worried about the blisters. You know, everybody gets blisters. You can you can work your way through blisters. Uh, but knee pain's a thing, you know, and so it started where when I was anytime I go up uh, a hill or stairs, whatever, I would just kind of feel a little discomfort. I'm a runner, so we don't use the P word for pain. Uh, just just discomfort. I was feeling it. 
and it got, it got worse over time. And so, you know, I tried a day off and then hiked the next day and it started getting, uh, I started having it more than just going up also sometimes on the flat, sometimes going down, just kind of episodic. And it, it made me call my physical therapist at home and we talked about it and he recommended several days off. So just that meant we had to re kind of logisticize the whole trip take a few days off, reposition ourselves so we could still finish the last couple hundred kilometers into Santiago. Um, so, you know, just thing after thing after thing. And then eventually about 80 kilometers from Santiago in the middle of a day, I went from managing the pain to suddenly I, I literally could not walk anymore. I had to get a taxi to our last hostel and then uh, through a set of uh, wonderful coincidences, otherwise known as God's grace to us. Um, there was a friend nearby who came and picked me up and drove me to Santiago. And uh, Duncan finished the, the whole thing on his own, which was fantastic for him. I was really happy for him. So just how far did he, how far was that on his own? Uh, he did 80 kilometers in his last, so what, almost 50 miles in his last two days by himself, just did two monster days, basically walked two marathons back to back in hundred degree heat. It's good to be 21. <laughs> That's all I had to say about that. So then you met him there. You, you made it. So yeah, taxi. I met him in San, I waited for him in Santiago and uh, we, I, we met up just outside the cathedral square. I purposely did not go to the cathedral before he got there. Cause I wanted to walk in with him and experience that together. So um, we both stumbled into the cathedral square for different reasons. I, because I could barely walk with my knee and he, because he could barely walk because he had just walked two marathons. And, um, mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, it was, it was a really great way to end what was a surprising journey for us. I gotta be honest with you. When I heard that it didn't go as planned. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that was really sad for you because I know you've been preparing for this and this was you know, really important. Um, but I also had a, a little smile because I thought, oh, oh, Ted's going to learn something that you only yes. can learn from, you know, having these disappointments or uh, challenges. So is, is are there things that you're were able to unpack from that experience that you'd be open to sharing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I reflected on the whole trip, and the pilgrimage, you know, the journey. Uh, if I had to give it a title, it would be it would be a journey in humility. One of the things that Duncan and I did, kind of like, I hadn't planned this. It just came out of my mouth the first day when we were walking, because you know we're two dudes walking, and there's only so much you can talk when you're two dudes walking. So I, I said to him, "Hey, what if we spent the first hour in silence and just walk in silence?" And I thought it would relieve both of us of the burden of having to talk the whole time. We did that. And I'd set a timer on my phone for the hour. And then <laughs> sometimes we would share because, you know, because that's what we do. And uh, sometimes we would share afterwards what we had learned. And I, I remember the first day that I was walking after I had started feeling my knee. And actually, I had just gotten the podcast request, the request from, from you to do this podcast. And, and I remember my first thought when, when I, cause it, it happened the same day where my knee was starting to hurt and I got the podcast request and I thought, Oh no, you're kidding me. I'm going to have to go on a <laughs> podcast. And I mean, I, I sure hope this knee doesn't make me quit because 
I'd be so embarrassed. So the next morning I'm walking <laughs> in silence, you know, and because who likes to fail, right? And um, and I I I was walking in silence that next morning, and I never hear from God audibly, but I just felt this, you know, this nudge that said, you know, you don't have to carry the burden of impressing others if you don't want to. <laughs> it wasn't like, don't, you're dumb. It was more like almost with a sly smile, like, you know, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. If you want to, feel free, but you don't you, have you, to. You can load that backpack and, up a little heavier if, you, if you'd like. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so I, you know, I, and, and the, the next line after that was, that's just a burden of pride of trying to impress people. And, you know, I, I, most of my life have been really, really obscure, like really obscure, like nobody knows who I am. And now I have a role that has more visibility. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, especially in a role where I'm more visible, it's easy to want to be the hero of the story. And if I have to quit, there's no hero. To, I'm not the hero of the story, you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, humility was the big thing. And, and I think over time, it was a slow kind of scraping away my expectations. At one point, I thought we're going to have to do less distance. Um, and that was true. I'm going to have to rest more than I thought. And that was true. And eventually, I got to the point of thinking, it is possible I won't be able to finish this, which I had never entertained, really, seriously. Are you serious? Um, <laughs> It didn't cross I mean, your mind you might? No, I was too oh, arrogant. Wow. I mean, I've, I've done all kinds of long distance <laughs> hiking. I've been a runner my whole life. Like, and, and, um, and I was exchanging texts with a friend when I, was, when I was kind of grappling with this. And I realized in the words of my patron, St. Clint Eastwood, sometimes a man has to know his limitations. And I was like, you know what? I think I actually have limitations. And in hindsight... I shouldn't have started with a 15 mile a day, uh, followed by a 20 mile day. We should have started with an, I, when I debriefed this with my physical therapist, I should have realized I'm a normal 55 year old human. I should have started with an eight mile day and then maybe a 10 mile day. And if I was feeling really good, maybe a 12 mile day and just acknowledge my limitations. You know, there's lots more that I learned around humility, but if I really netted out, that's what I learned was. I can only carry what I can carry. Um, there's no reason to carry the burden of impressing other people. I have limitations. And I think what God's inviting me into in my life, including in, in the role I, I have at Renovari, is to just carry what's in my hands, just with today. Um, you know, they, the scallop shell is the symbol of the Camino, and tradition says that the early pilgrims would carry a little a scallop shell. It's about the size of your hand. I'm showing Nate on video, which of course no one can see, which is awkward. Um, it's about the size of the palm of your hand. And, and tradition says that pilgrims would receive handouts from people in the villages and the farms of water and of food in that scallop shell. And of course, my first thought when I heard that was, I need a bigger shell. Because I want more than that, and and it's the um, beggar's tool. Is that it's the, exactly yeah. <laughs> kind of like a bigger one? Like that's not very much, but uh, you know, humility just says, "Okay, that's enough. Just what I need for this moment, 
just what I need for this day. And I'm dependent on others in ways that I'm not used to and I'm not always comfortable with. But that's what pilgrims are. They're dependent. The successful ones, the unsuccessful ones carry big packs because they want to be independent. But the dependent ones, they're dependent on others. And I was dependent on Duncan in ways I had never been dependent on him. And it was interesting to watch him start to take care of me. I like this piece about, you know, being the hero of the story. And we do find ourselves in context where there's a pull and potentially an expectation of others for us to be a hero yeah, of sorts. Yeah, they want us to be uh, the hero. You know, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There can be a pull to bow to such desires uh, from and people. And we've seen what's happened to to leaders, Christian and otherwise, who who do that. That is the way yep. to death and disgrace. I love that image of thinking of it as, you know, like an extra rock to put in your pack, right? Like, yeah, you can carry that burden if you want, but I yeah. love that. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah it was the exact kind of tone of voice I, I sense from God. Like, you know, it's your call. <laughs> <laughs> What did you do with the grief of watching Duncan go on and holding him back and all that? Uh, the first afternoon when, when I had to quit, I think it was probably one of the first times that Duncan saw me cry. Uh, and it was, I was trying to think why I was sad. And I think it was, it wasn't about not getting the, you know, the piece of paper. I've, I've never cared about the pieces of paper. <laughs> it was about, we had this dream of finishing together and uh, and probably some just, I wanted to not be the luggage he had to carry. And thankfully he didn't have to. We, we found other ways to take care of me besides him, him having to abandon. That would have really bothered me. And I was super proud of him. He, I, I, I went and took a walk, uh, went to my room for an hour to lick my wounds um, and let him think about, did he want to continue or did he want to quit with me? And I came back, not quite sure what he would decide. When I came back, he looked at me and he said, I've decided I want to finish this. And I thought, well, that's awesome. So that really helped the grief in some ways, because now I could turn to a cheerleader as opposed to feeling bad that I had ruined his, you know, his, his experience. So, you know, the, the first thing I did was I felt it. I felt the grief and it, uh, there, there was no way around it. I was really disappointed. And then when he said he would go on and I, the next morning I woke up early with him before sunrise because it was, you know, terribly hot that day and sent him off. And I could then just, I mean, I was still disappointed, but it now turned into, I'm excited for him. Um, I'm experiencing God's provision in, in really, really unique ways, which I'm happy to share about. Um, and, and now I get to cheer him in. And I was wistful, like when I was, I was sat next to the last, like the entry to the old city of Santiago where all the pilgrims are coming in and they're all cheering each other in. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, that would have been great. So I, it's not like, you know, it was all better then. There were still moments of, of, of kind of, ah, oh, that's really a shame. But there was good in it too. Talk about humility. What were some of the um, new pieces that opened up for you in this? One of the things that I've been 
learning in the last six to 12 months is this whole thing of depending uh, on others and also depending at new levels on God for his goodness. When I said yes to the role at Renovare, I, I was experimenting with this listening prayer practice and I was hearing some things that I hadn't heard before from God. One of them was, uh, is, is now actually on, on post-it notes on the mirror in our bathroom. It, it just says, trust me, act as if I'll do something wonderful. <laughs> Humility is fundamentally about trust in, in my mind. It's, it's, it's saying, I'm, I am not um, the master of everything in my life and the hero of the story, as, as we talked about before, and the pilot of my ship. I mean, I, I have responsibility. Like, I'm, I'm in partnership. And this is actually one of the things about humility that you also learn on the Camino. You're walking primarily through farmland, but not the kind of industrial farmland we mostly have in, in the U.S. these days. This is really much more small plot farmland. And um, in one of our hours of silence, I noticed, um, you know, I just was noticing creation and noticing that uh, in in farming, at least the way they do it there, most of the heavy lifting is done by God. But farmers have a role, like they're in this partnership with God, um, where they're they're bringing the best from the natural ingredients, but they're doing a tiny bit of the work in partnership with God. And I, I think humility is this dependent partnership with God where we're in whatever we're doing in our lives, he's doing the heavy lifting and we still have a role. It's not like we just lay down and hope that he'll grow a crop. <laughs> you know I mean, but, we're, but we also know that no matter, like we're working with, we're working with, all the hard work is done. Like there are trees that if you treat them well, will produce oranges and apples and pears. And, and so we have this, this humble, but important role. I think I've started to see the, the, the nobility of humility where we're saying, I'm not independent. I am dependent on God as we work in partnership together. And it works really well when I trust him to do things that are wonderful. And it works really badly when I try to do too much of it on my own or do too little of it on my own. When I had to abandon, the, I had a friend who came and picked me up and we ended up going out to a coastal area with these rock formations. And it was there were staircases down to it. And it was the first time in my life where I was not sure I could do something physically. I've been so fortunate. I've never been in the hospital overnight since I was born. I've never had a major illness. I've never had a major injury. I've, you know, I've had running injuries, but those are, you know, you, you, you get therapy. I've never had a big crash where I've been, had broken legs. Like I've never had any of that. And for the first time in my life, like I would look at a set of stairs and go, I'm not sure if I can do that. And so having a certain amount of a new level of empathy for people who have limitations that I don't have was really, that was good. I mean, I don't, I would never ask for it, <laughs> let's be clear, but it was really good. How have you made it 55 years without bumping into your limitations? I'm just amazed. I mean, I, I have, I have natural limitations. <laughs> you know, like I, I would say within, within my, within my talent, like there's lots of things I can't do, but there was never something where I thought 
oh, no, I could normally do that, and I can't do it now. That's the difference. Like, I've never thought I could dunk a basketball. Right, right, right. You just look at me and you go, yeah, that guy's never going to dunk a basketball unless it's a three-foot hoop. But there are within my natural abilities, I've never had all of a sudden I can't do it. Yeah, there is a gift and a blessing in bumping into those. Absolutely. It's interesting. The, do you know about the new book my dad's yeah, done? Yeah, I'm reading it. Yeah. So oh, you are. that's okay. the funny thing is I, I, was, I was reading it on the Camino. So I'm reading this oh, were you? Know, the okay. advanced copy on the Camino about humility going, oh, Richard, you're killing me. <laughs> I caught, I'm, um, I've, I've, I've read through it, but I, I just got the advanced copy and I'm, I'm doing this. I'm starting from the beginning. Two things I'm noticing from it that this ties in well. One is how alluring it is, like especially hearing in the life of Jesus and just how I keep finding myself going, yes, yes, this is. Um, but then also he reaches this conclusion, and I asked him about it. Um, it but but basically, that it's the foundational virtue for spiritual formation. It's humility, and uh, I thought that was a really interesting connection. I was going to say it's a Gandalf none shall pass moment. You know, you're not going to get very far beyond this bridge without humility. You know, how has it been wearing for you as you've been home for a while now? I was actually wondering when we, when I had to quit, how I was going to reflect on the whole trip that, that Monday afternoon, I think it was exactly a month ago. Now I was wondering if I would look back and be sad about the whole thing. I actually look back now and Duncan's the same <clears throat> and I'm, I'm just so thankful for the experience. Um, we were sitting in Madrid the night before we were both coming back home and uh, debriefing and, and we both agreed. If you had told us six months prior, you know, we, we were going to have three and a half weeks together, basically 24 seven, talk about so many great things together, see so much amazing scenery, have these experiences and shared experiences, would we think that was a good enough experience? We would have both said, total home run. The only way you you feel bad about this is if you compare it to what you had expected and and you go, oh, that's disappointing. But if you look at it in, in real terms, it's just a complete winner. And I think in terms of, I mean, I, I would still prefer having had Walk, don't get me wrong. I would prefer having walked the whole thing and getting this stupid piece of paper and, <laughs> you know, all that. I, I would prefer it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I would prefer that. Um, but the what I learned from being a pilgrim and learned about humility through my own limitations and God's provision in those limitations, I am so grateful for. I, I carry the, the scallop shell with me right now. I, I'm not sure how long this will go on, but I carry it with me everywhere. As a reminder, just what you can carry in your hands. That's it. No more, no less. Don't lose the scallop shell. Like you need the scallop shell, but that's all you need. That's all you need. And that's been good. That's been good. And it helps me as I as I think forward in my role at Renovari um, to keep myself squarely in the right spot. You know, I'm partnering with God. He's doing all the heavy lifting and I have a role. All those things are true. It's interesting you bring this up because as as we're talking, I'm reflecting on the the last you know six months. Um, and you really have come in with a high level of humility. And I do see this like 
as a learner and and trying to partner with God in that uh, it's been neat to watch and and I kind of wonder where that's where that's going to go. Are there are there pieces in in these months that um, you've learned or that things that might be helpful for people to know about Renabara and your role? There are some things that I, I was able to confirm in the last six months. I'm so grateful for the uh, long history of community and and from that community how um god has has brought this rich kind of tapestry of of people and friendships and ideas to the world so that i i kind of had an inkling about that coming in but now being on the inside to see that and to experience that some um as an example i I was at the ministry team retreat. So the ministry team is our, is kind of this core of committed volunteers that have been around for a long time and are teachers and writers and um, worship leaders. And when I was about ready to leave for the Camino, they sang a blessing over me. I've never had anything like that happen in my life. Um, I'm a tiny bit misty just thinking about it. There are things like that that I, I kind of had an inkling about, and I, I now get to experience, and I'm really grateful for that. And and then, you know, I think there's a certain amount of humility for us as a movement um, to, you know, as we sit at a transitional time. Um, our founder, Richard, just turned 80 this year. And wow, it's great to have him be with us. But we're at a time where where there's a generational transition going on and it's easy to want to either be passive or to be, we're going to grab this thing and take the next hill. And, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying with our board and with our staff and with our kind of extended network, walking with God and saying, what do you want us to do? What role do you want us to play in your wonderful kingdom? And, um, and the, the, the little whispers I've been having the last couple of weeks, actually, since I got back from the pilgrimage have been consistently be bold, be bold. It's time for us, not for our sake. It's, you know, we, it doesn't matter what Renovari's profile is going to be, but for the kingdom's sake, for his work's sake, it is time for us to, to, be humbly bold to boldly trust that he's going to do something wonderful, not to shrink in the face of challenge, but to step forward with him and find what our place is going forward. And I, I'm, I'm actually super excited about that. There are days it feels daunting, but most of the time now, because of those little whispers I've been sensing, I just go, okay, well, what's in my hand today, you know? And in my hand today is what's in my calendar today and getting to talk to Nate on this podcast and then the other things I've got to do today. And and then we'll just see what happens next, you know? It's like, it's a pilgrimage is an adventure. You don't know what's around the corner. Um, and, and I kind of feel like that's where we are and uh, that's 100% fine with me. Humbly bold. I like yeah. that. I'll sit with that. Ted, thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Thanks for listening. And that was Renovari's president, Ted Harrow. 
He's a great guy serving Renovare well. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. We are grateful for all of you who help make this work possible. You can support Renovare and this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars, online classes, as well as information on events and our institute on our website at renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends. Be well.